Now, boys, uh, the network has a problem with some of your lyrics. Would you mind changing them for the show? Forget you, clown. Hey, our lyrics are like our children, man. No way. Well, okay. But hear what you say. What I got, you gotta get and put it in you. How about just what I'd like is I'd like to hug and kiss you. Wow. That's much better. Everyone can enjoy that. Welcome, Polly, to Geek Salad, episode 206. Call me <laughs> bad at the CNC Music Factory, side two, the albums. I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Joe. I'm Catherine. I'm, I'm Todd. And uh, we have a very special guest rejoining us again. Technically, Mike, this doesn't count as three in a row. Uh, <laughs> original, our original Geek Salad host, uh, Mike, is back. Is this like two and a half then? It's 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 like one large episode. Two A, two B, two B. Yeah. Well, you know what? You were on the you were on the super size episode last time too. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So now we we are going to discuss the albums of 1991, which I I, th- I always feel like I have more fun talking about the records than I do like just the singles. Anyone else feel that way? Well, I, think I like, clearly feel that way. Yeah, yeah. It's like you get those nice covers and everything. You know, some of the albums just like the covers will stick out for you too. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we have more fun talking about the albums because these are the things we pick as opposed to you know we talk about some of the singles that we liked, but mostly we cover like the top hits and those are the ones that never held up. Right. <laughs> exactly. So let's, uh, I'll, I'll get, I'll kick us off here on our round table. We each were tasked with finding three records to discuss. So I'll start us off with Sting's The Soul Cages. In my opinion, the best Sting solo album he ever did. This thing has got, it's, it's finally rooted in, like, it's got a rock foundation to it, which the, the, first, the last two didn't really have. Those were more jazz and more world music. This has got more of a rock 
edge to it. The songs um, really enhance the the electric guitar more, um, and it's just it's a, it's a wonderful album. It's there, there's a lot of songs about like seafaring myths, which are really cool, and it just overall, I just I love this album. I absolutely love this album. So I'm wondering if someone just said, "Hey, Sting, um, we want to talk to you for a minute. You're coming out with a new album. Can you like you know?" up the rock a little bit <laughs> and stop making it all like, you know, all like, you know, Hey, 15 meditation. years from 15 years from this point, he'd be putting on an album loop music. So, uh, right. <laughs> we, we've heard, I've heard the loop music. It's awesome. I, I bought it for my wife as a, as a goof. <laughs> I, the thing is, is like, and I, I've made this, I've, I've made this point known on several occasions on this podcast that I am a huge police fan, and I love Sting. I love this early, this early Sting work, and this is the best of all of his solo outings. It's just all the songs really hold up well. Um, the t- the title track, the Soul Cage, is just an absolute rocker. Um, Island of Souls is a great kickoff to the album. And all this time is just, it's, it's the fun single. It's, it's just, it's, it's got biblical references in it, but it just, it just, it bounces. It's so much fun to listen to. Anybody, any thoughts on that? Or are we moving on to someone else? (laughs) I'm the only Sting fan, aren't I? Yes. Yeah. I I mean, from when I, when I think about Sting as a solo artist, it's uh, Blue Turtles or. Yes. Uh, Fields of Gold, like that's that's what yeah. I think of. Oh of wow! As a solo artist, I've never yeah. heard this album. I'm really excited to go listen to it now. I, I want you to listen to this album, Todd. In fact, if we if if we do our our, our day at Joe's, I might have to see if this is on vinyl. I bet it is. I'm, I'm sure at least the re, uh, one eight, you know 180 gram re-release is out. So oh yeah, reissue <laughs> for sure. Oh absolutely, but yes, no. Please listen to this one. I, I guarantee. Todd, because I, I know how your music tastes go, you will love it. Mm-hmm. So. I love the police too, and and hearing some Sting solo output, I'm like, eh, it's not the police, and that's that's a problem for me. So if this comes back yeah. to more rocking uh, roots for Sting, I, I'll be excited. Right, he I mean, he definitely is on a mission to do something different and not just. And I'll give him all the credit in the world. He never once tried to emulate the police. In any of his solo work. But this is the closest you're going to get to it. And it's a bit of a concept album, which is kind of nice. So. That's what Very I got to cool. say, uh, that's what I gotta say about that. All right, Mike. Yes. Yes, go ahead. All right, uh, I'm going to start with uh, Garth Brooks' Rope in the Wind. You know a dream is like a river Every changing as it flows And the dreamer's just a vessel That must follow where it goes Trying to learn from what's behind you And never knowing what's in store Makes each day a constant battle Just to stay between the shores I will sail my vessel Till the river runs dry Like a bird upon the wind 
These waters are my sky, I'll never reach my destination If I never try, so I will sail my vessel till the river runs dry. Uh, It was his, <coughs> I believe it was, yeah, it was his third album. Um, and not my favorite of his, but it's still got some solid songs on it. Um, Rodeo, you know, which is a nice, fun, you know, fun song. Uh, Papa Love Mama, another really just fun, you know, just kind of, you know, a wild uh, country song that he's, that he does every now and then. He's got a couple of a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more, you know, country bouts, like what she's doing now. Mm-hmm. Shameless and probably his most meaningful, meaningful song off this one a song called the R- the river. Um, and the river is actually probably my favorite song off the album. It's, it, it's, you know, basically, you know, like, you know, basically, you know, set, uh, some, um, I will sail my vessel, um, where the water runs for, um, till the water runs dry. Like a bird upon the wind, this, these waters are my sky, and basically just, just saying, yeah, you know, life just always keeps going, and you just gotta, you know, live your live your life the way way you need to. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I, 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 I know no one else is a good book fans here, so right yeah, sensitive I, poet I, cowboy. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't hate it on Garth Brooks, but I don't. I'm not familiar with this, so. I do remember that this, like, I was getting, I was, I was still reading Rolling Stone back in 1991, and it's like, I, it, my first issue was delivered my first week of college in North Carolina. So you're taking the Northern Boy, moving him down south, and then, lo and behold, it, on the album charts, the number one record was a country record. I'm like, well, I don't know if this is a sign or. <laughs> But I, I remember my, my friend. Yeah, my friend Dan. His mother loved Garth Brooks, and we, you know, I, we were such assholes to her because she'd like, oh, we got, I got the new Garth Brooks album from Walmart. You want to hear it? Like, not really. But she played it anyway. I was like, oh wow, that sounds great. He sounds sober on this one. So, we were assholes. Though. We were total assholes to her. She was so sweet to us. But speaking of Garth Brooks, what's the didn't later he try to do like some rock album and he tried to like create another character where he had like a Chris Haynes. Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines. Yes, thank you. And he had like a mullet wig he wore and everything. Yeah, I don't, I don't have that album. Oh God. <laughs> do you, that you is think one... that... on you, man. Chris Gaines is one thing that you can say to country fans that will just infuriate them, which is one of my favorite things to do because I'm not a country fan, so. Just like, oh, Garth Brooks, that, you know, how many times platinum artist? I like, I, I prefer Chris Gaines. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you know what, dude? And you find a t-shirt with Chris Gaines on it in, like, the concert tour or something like that to really piss him off. <laughs> with the every, mullet wig. <laughs> every long-term artist has that one album that they put out that if you bring it up in an interview, they will just get up and walk away without having to say a word. <laughs> for, for Kiss, it's songs, for, uh, songs of the Elder. For Garth Brooks, it's got to be that Chris, ha- that Chris Gaines album. <laughs> Probably, yeah. 
And I only wanted to say that just so I could bring up that shitty Kiss album. But, uh, <laughs> which one? Songs of the Elder. I thought Creatures of the Night was their shitty album. They had a lot of there shitty albums so back then. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was so the worst. Let's not fool ourselves into thinking that Kiss was actually a good band. <laughs> hey, they lucked into a couple of these singles. Do not disanimalize, okay? <laughs> you know they, need a, they need an episode of Behind the Bastards. I mean... Bob Hathaway still has to squeeze himself into his animalized shirt, so, you know. <laughs> all right, all right. Anything else on uh, Rope in the Wind before we move on to Catherine's first pick? I'm done. You're good? All right, Catherine. All right, my first pick is going to be the School of Fish debut album. Now, has anyone else heard of School of Fish? Nope. Okay. No. So, uh, like, I only heard about it because at least I had a uh, a friend of mine, uh, brought back to my LARP days, uh, he said that, like, his stepbrother was in the band. But that doesn't matter because this band, the music is really good. And I can tell you that because uh, the first track on this album was recently getting a lot of radio play, even though it was from 1991. Uh, so that would be Three Strange Days. And they were also they had a they had one of their songs from this album, Rose Colored Glasses, was in the original Point Break. And I was playing the album earlier today to, to just sort of refamiliarize myself with it. And you know, other than those two songs, which I knew off the top of my head, I was playing it and I was like singing along and I'm like, I know these songs and I know I haven't listened to them for over twenty five years, but I know the lyrics. Uh Speechless is good, King of the Dollar is good, uh <laughs> Fell is really good. Um, it was like a very strong first album. Their second album, I didn't really know. And so therefore, I'm not as attached to it. But the, the music still sounds good. Uh, and then I was looking it up. The, the singer went on to a solo career, but uh, died of testicular cancer at age 32 a while good. ago. So, yeah. So it didn't, it didn't go too long, unfortunately, for them. But... Um, I do strongly recommend the School of Fish debut album. Um, I think a lot of you guys might enjoy it. Hmm. I will check them out, considering that I have not heard School of Fish, and the first time I'll hear them will be when I find a drop for you for this for your, for your mention here. Go go with Three Strange Days. Three Strange Days. Okay, you're gonna have to text me that because I'm I'm gonna try to get these early. But okay. Please. I will, I will. I will text that to you. But yeah, it's. I I appreciate that. Yeah. The uh, I was I was listening to the songs and I'm like, yeah, I remember this one. I remember this one. Yeah, these are all really good. And I was playing it, and my husband's like, yeah. And he specifically about three strange days. My husband was like, yeah, this is a good tune. 
And I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, he was eight at the time this movie, this song came out. But it, it, it still is pretty good. It's, it's good music. So, um, sorry, none of the rest of you can talk about it, but. Yeah. Everybody knows. Catherine. It sounds familiar. It sounds like something my brothers would have listened to at their coffee shop in Worcester. You know, they, they would <laughs> go like acoustic, acoustic Java or something like that. So They were, they were a Boston-based band. All right. Hmm. Yeah, they were based out of Boston, so it is, you know, something that your brothers might have heard. So there you go. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So who is next on this list here? That would be I, Joe. That would be me. and. To everyone's surprise, I'm sure. <laughs> what? <laughs> no! I know, right? Um, my pick, my first pick is On Every Street by Dire Straits. Lady Killer Regulation Tattoo Silver spurs on his heels What can I tell you As I'm standing next to you She threw herself under my wheels And it's a dangerous road And a hazardous load And the fireworks over liberty Explode in the heat And it's your face I'm looking for on every street More whiskey! <laughs> <laughs> this was, this is their, this was their last their, their sixth and final studio album. Um, they would go. They would release a, a live album the following year, but this is it, it is really Dire Straits is Mark Knopfler, and it was that way ever since you know the their um, uh, Love Over Gold album, you know, and, and as as successful as Brothers in Arms was, you know. It was obvious that Mark, you know, Mark Knopfler wanted to go in a direction all his own, and you can really feel this in this, in this album, where it was very much influenced from his time in the Notting Hillbillies, where he focused on a lot of like early Americana music, a lot of rockabilly music, and that is infused in all throughout this album, you know, especially with a lot of use of like slide guitars and stuff like that. Um, I have a lot of good songs, a few good songs, um, you know, uh, particularly for me, the one that stands out is How Long, which has a very, very much a country feel. Um, you know, On Every Street's very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but really, for the most part, it, you can tell it's kind of like a goodbye album. It's like, okay, Dire Straits is no more, you know? And really, there was only two original member, you know, two band, two members from the original band by this time, just because had, the, the, the lineup had rotated so many times throughout the years. Yeah. Huh. So, but for the most part, but, it, it, you know, 
like I said, a lot of good tracks, a lot of, you know, you know, and again, it, a lot of it showcases a lot of um, Mark Knopfler's talent as a songwriter. Um, mm-hmm. You know, My Parties is, is, if you've ever, it's a great song about the, the banality of suburban life. You know, it's a song about this guy who's, who, who loves to throw parties and how great they are and everything. But <laughs> it is it, it is such a like really taking the mickey out of, you know, people who, <laughs> who loves, the, you know, who live in the suburbs and stuff like that. You know, so it's a good album. Not their best, but a, 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 a worthy goodbye to the band. Joe, I actually okay. have, this, I have the CDs somewhere. Mm-hmm. Actually, I did get it because uh, Colin Elvis was the one that caught my my ear yeah um because remember they made a video on it and it was like it was all like done like thunderbirds they had like clips of thunderbirds going through the whole whole thing and they actually had puppets made like those characters like playing the song (laughs) yes the whole video was just like we're like thunderbirds like puppets but the dire straits and um it was pretty cool but just that that was but the song itself just had that very mellow it, it kicks the album right off it's like you were saying and when you were talking about this that whole country feel that song just like really is like it's just like the foundation of it yep so uh yeah it was it was a good album so excellent excellent awesome awesome all right todd you're up yeah let's do this i'm holding the vinyl in front of me are you shocked I, you know what? I need more whiskey again. There you go. <laughs> I That's haven't once brought up. I go. haven't once brought. I was going to say I haven't once brought it up. So, go for it. Well, there you go. The first one I want to talk about is the Red Hot Chili Peppers' uh, "Blood Sugar Sex Magic," which was ah. uh, mentioned briefly on the last episode. album uh clocks in at a hearty 74 minutes which is insane even today in today's standards but in 1991 74 minute alt rock album it's crazy um yeah. <laughs> rick rubin produced this one and i had no idea because this is kind of my this was kind of my introduction to the chili peppers this is their fifth album i had no idea i thought this was their sound all along this more alternative rock thing um Less with the funky, slappy bass, but still still rocking. Great songs on this one. You know, Suck My Kiss, great song. Uh, <laughs> Breaking the Girl, Give It Away, yeah. obviously. Under the Bridge. Under the Bridge was, I think, the first Chili Pepper song I ever loved. So 
Uh, it's a really great album, and it really holds up, especially on vinyl um, uh, on my system here. It sounds it sounds excellent. So um, I would highly recommend this one if you are looking to get into the Chili Peppers, or if you have uh, not listened to them in a while, this is a good one to get back into the band. So. I I would agree with that. It's a good. It definitely is a good gateway into learning more about them, especially if you if your jumping off point wasn't Mother's Milk. This is definitely a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. The, the story behind Bridge is kind of sad, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, I actually. I, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I just got a question about uh, Get Away. Yeah. When they say what I've got, you've got to get and put it in you. Couldn't they actually just say is what I like is I'd like to hug and kiss you. Hug and kiss you. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> everyone. That's something everyone can enjoy. <laughs> I was just thinking about that the other day when I put this album on. <laughs> Because, as much as I hate to say it, uh, that was my that was my introduction to Red Hot Chili Peppers. Was The Simpsons? Yep. There are there are worse introductions do... to better bands. <laughs> we could do a whole episode on Simpsons musician cameos. Oh, we absolutely could. We absolutely yeah. could, and maybe that will be coming in twenty twenty one. We haven't done a Simpsons oh, episode in forever. But yeah, I really I really like. Um, Blood, uh, blood sugar. It's it's good. And the thing is, I feel like I, blood sugar is a good thing. Um, no, I just I I actually prefer like the like the the, the mid tier hits over like give it away and under the bridge. Which, they're just like they're part of my DNA to the point where it's like I I could go my entire life without hearing them again and not feel nostalgic if I did hear them again. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, yeah no, I, actually, I really do think. I think Breaking the Girl is the best song on this album. Yes. And I will fight anyone yes. who wants to say otherwise. It's a really, ah. you know, all the songs, they, I don't know what, what it was about this album, but they, the songwriting was, was, I think, far above what they had done previously. And it, it leads into what they were doing out, all throughout the 90s with One Hot Minute, Californication. Yeah. You can hear this through line through all of their 90s albums. And, and uh, you know, up until what they've done recently, too. Yeah, and if any of you are thinking about fighting Todd, he's really tall. I'm yeah, tall. he is. <laughs> I'm tall. He's tall. I'm, I'm he's not a fighter. He's got a long reach. I'm a, I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that brings us to original recipe, Mike. Mike All the right. first. What is your first album? All right, first album I put up here was uh, it was Ozzy Osbourne's No More Tears, actually, and I thought this was a uh, I remember when, like, he kind of when he put this album out, I'd heard both, you know, the big hits, you know, "No More Tears" and "Mama, I'm Coming Home," and it was definitely a more mellow album. I think, yeah, it, it definitely had a more mellow. But Ozzy still had an amazing, like, he still like was able to put out like just an, some amazing tunes. You know, it was almost like like almost like a ballady album, but it worked.
Um, you know, the fact that, like, you know, even Lemmy wrote a few of the songs for him as well. But uh, I don't know. I thought it was just a great comeback album for him after, you know, so many years. Like, you know, you think of what, maybe, like, late 80s, he kind of, you know, he'd done a lot of different things. And then, you know, he'd done a lot of his, uh, you know, just, like, heavy stuff. And then he just kind of, you know, took it easy on this, but it worked. You know, he took yeah. a chance. I thought this album was a, it was a big chance. And I thought it just did very, very well. And I just liked a lot of the music on it. And I mean, like, Mom, I'm Going Home. Um, I Don't Want to Change the World is another good one. Yeah. Is this the one with, uh, If I Close My Eyes Forever with Lita Ford? Uh, No, I think that was... No, that wasn't done in this album. Okay. That was done, like, prior. Uh, Or it might have been after, actually. I'm not sure. But uh, the other one I really liked was uh, Road to Nowhere was another good one that he'd done in the album. Okay. Those are the ones that I really... Like time after time was another good one, as well. So, yeah, it definitely sounded like at this point that Ozzy was slowing down. Yeah. Mm. So even like even something like No More Tears, it it's it's a good it's a good solid rock song. It doesn't have that same energy as um, Shot in the Dark or or Crazy Train or Bark at the Moon, but it does have its. It does have, like, a good early 90s, you know, thump to it. Well, I think that's the thing about the album was he was trying to still keep a style of his, but also to kind of go with the times, I guess, in a sense. So he kind of brought both worlds together. And again, the album worked. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jamie Lane is like... Meanwhile, yeah. Janie Lane of Warren's, like, you know, packing up his jockstrap. It's like, ah, the record, the label just dropped us. Wait a minute, who, who's this Nirvana guy? <laughs> oh, fuck. All right, so that's back to me now. My second album I'm going to talk about is R.E.M.'s Out of Time. Consider this, consider this, hint of the century. Consider this, slip that brought me to my Um, because yes, it's a, it's a year in, it's, it's, it's a year in review and I'm going to bring up the REM album and I'll (laughs) say that this album is probably one, musically one of their more ambitious albums. However, it has their worst song ever. Don't you dare say shiny happy people. I have been an REM (laughs) fan. I have been an REM fan essentially since day one, since Murmur and shiny happy people can go Straight to hell. Blasphemy! Straight to it. Everything that is wrong with the 90s can be summed up in shiny happy people. Hey, 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 hey. We want the shiny people over here and the happy the people, happy over, people over, over here. here. I'm, I myself, I, the, the angry, immediate, and gun toting people. <laughs> <laughs> this is another one where Beavis and Butter didn't hear, like, Beavis is going. 
Yeah, they sing a song that goes, yep, uh, feeling feel pretty happy. Yes. I would tend to agree with you. Shiny Happy People is not a great song. No. And I always put it, they, but they've always had one, one or two songs on each of their albums, even in the IRS days, that yeah. were this like, what do you do? Like, stand, right? <laughs> At least, yeah. at least, <laughs> at least, shiny happy people has Kate Pearson. With true. Back That's vocals, true, right? From the but she's also, but she also does. Um, she did two songs on me and Honey. She does. She does me and Honey. Which is, too. Oh, me and Honey is a great song. Yeah, I'm just saying when you think about that weird song on each REM album, I don't think Shiny Happy People is as bad as some of the others. I think I don't even think Shiny Happy People is the worst song on this album. I think it's Radio Song. Because of really? the, the, yeah, no, it's radio song is good, but the the rap portion of it is a stretch. And With it KRS One and it KRS One, great yeah. great artist, great rapper, yeah. did not fit in 1991, right? No. So I I you know shiny happy people, not a great song, and I would no. probably skip it if I was listening to it right now. But you know the highs on this album far outweigh the lows. Andy, you right. know how you talked about, like, you know, Under the Bridge and, you know, yeah. about, like, Red Hot Chili Peppers? I'm kind of in that same boat with Losing My Religion. Not that it's a bad song. Um, it, was right. just, it was done very well. But it's one of those songs where it got overly played for me to the point where I don't ever need to hear it again. Like, it, yeah. again, it's a good song, but it was kind of shoved down my throat a little bit. And, mm-hmm. but again, not a, again, not a bad song. Just, um overdone for me and it's one of those songs where i could skip that song on the album if i was gonna listen to it again okay and that's, that's how i feel fair. about pretty much all rem songs because that's pretty much all they played when i was working at wheel and park <laughs> <laughs> i you know the thing is is that you know todd i i agree with you on radio song does definitely sound like they're trying too hard but they're trying to make um, a statement with it yeah like, look, I, you know, um, look at the state of music and look what we can do to comment on it. But then they made what they were trying to comment on. So, right. <laughs> right. But I mean, like losing my religion, it's like it totally sounds like an R.E.M. song, even though it, I think it's the most commercially viable song they ever put out. Yeah. Um, it's it definitely sounds like an R.E.M. song. Um, some of the some of these tracks, though, that are on here, like low belong um i i love me and honey i think me and honey and country feedback are probably the two best songs on this album and they close out the album I'll, country feedback how often, song. how often does that happen though when it's like the last songs are like the, the the best things on there they're usually reserved for like side a somewhere in like in like that that doughy middle somewhere mm-hmm. <laughs> I just remember, like you mentioned, uh, 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 losing my religion. I'm just remembering being in a diner in college, and that song coming on the radio, and one of my college friends just screaming at the ceiling, "Shut up!" You know, <laughs> about your drama. What's new, Pussycat? Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I will say, I will say, having some space from that song and coming back to it, it really holds up. There's a uh, podcast that I listen to called Song Exploder on Spotify, yep. and then. There's a Netflix series where they take a look at one song in each episode and, you know, Nine Inch Nails, uh, Hurt and um, 
they do something from Hamilton and they really explore the writing and the production and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. They did one on, on losing my religion. They got the original members back to talk about it. They played Michael Stipe's vocal track demo. It's, it's heartbreaking really when you listen to it just alone. I would highly yeah. recommend going back and listening to that and watching that because the song holds up and it gave it new life for me. There's actually a but again, podcast. I was six when it came out. So okay, <laughs> there, there's a podcast that uh, concluded a few years ago, and it's uh, hosted by Adam Scott and Scott Ackerman called "Are You, Are talking, you talking R.E.M.?" R-E-M. Yeah, and it's every they they go through every R.E.M. album, and it's really an interesting listen because these guys are just through and through fans, and once you skip through that the first half hour, they're not talking anything about R.E.M. at all. <laughs> You know, it's 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 a fun listen. So, and you can go That's back and listen on Spotify too. Yep. So they have a YouTube one before it and Talking Heads after it. So oh uh, oh, they did Talking out. Heads. Oh, I got to listen to that they one did. then. Excellent. They Th- did. I thank you. I got to listen to that then. <laughs> Mike, what's next on your list? Uh yes, next on my list. Um, I'm going away from country for a sec and going to Coolie High Harmony by Boys to Men. Was this their first album? I believe it was. All right. Uh, Yes, it was their debut album. And this one had, um, you know, uh, Please Don't Go, It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday, Motown Philly. I mean, when you think of Boyz II Men, these are the songs that you think of, really. Exactly. Especially, there was an episode of The State where they killed off a member of, by killed off, they just didn't tell him that they were killing him off. Oh. Because they voted him off. And he's like, I didn't get a vote. Dead men don't have no vote. And then they just played like a whole montage underneath It's So Hard to Say Goodbye. I think it might have been Ken Marino. And they're just showing like things of him doing Louie with that. I want to dip my balls in it. <laughs> in slow motion. Over. Uh, it's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday. <laughs> yeah, that so means Every time I hear that song now, it's died. <laughs> that one, that one actually hit number two on the Billboard Top 100, and Motown Three yeah. hit number three. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I just, you know, sometimes I do like some nice, good '90s R&B. And well, that's when you think also of, that's that's New Jack Swing. That's what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I mean, not kidding. It, they're yeah. like the, the the predecessor. I'm sorry to keep interrupting you. It's a, it is the it is the very definition of the, of the new Jack Swing. Yeah, mm, absolutely. I mean, and yeah, I mean, basically, when you think of that, this is what you think of. And yes. I mean, they they've they've had they had good um, songs. And I actually I 
kind of saw them live in, in that that they were playing at the um that, uh, yeah they were playing in Epcot and I was walking by and I could see them but I I was on my way to another to another uh, country so I couldn't stop and Mike, and you and I you and I walked right past each other because I was there that day too oh nice well <laughs> I, yeah well I mean they were there for like a was it just one day I think it was I think it was just one day oh wow then wow yeah how weird very weird so you could have been, you guys could have walked right past each other as far as I know. You probably did. There were a lot of people there, so I probably we probably never <laughs> saw each other. It was insanely packed in that pavilion. Yes. It was crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Boys to men pulled in everybody. Wow. That's yeah. that's interesting. So all right, anything else on Cooling High Harmony, Mike? Uh nope. Nope. I'm done. All right. Tossing that ball over to Catherine. What'd you got? All right, next I have They Might Be Giants Miscellaneous Tea, which is a B-side and remix compilation. A lot of these songs hadn't been released on their main albums uh, yet. They were mostly like singles, and so this is sort of a collection. Okay. Well, the rain falls down without my help. I'm afraid and my lawn gets wet, though I've withheld my consent. When this gray world crumbles like a cake, I'll be hanging from the hoop that I'll never see that recipe again. As I walk, I think about a new way to walk. As I think, I'm using up the time left to think. And this train keeps rolling off the track, trying to act like something else. Trying to go where it's been uninvited It's not my birthday It's not today It's not my birthday So why do you lunge at me When the word comes down Nevermore will be round Though I wish we were there I was less than we could bear And I'm not the only dust my mother raised this, pri- this is prior to Apollo 12 Which comes out the next year, right? Right, correct. All right. And uh, it's got a, a lot of interesting things and some alternate versions and stuff. And I just want to mention uh, to the uh, the disc nerds that I have on this copy of Miscellaneous Tea, I have my sticker from The Wall, if anybody remembers the CD store, The Wall. Yep. Where it has a lifetime music yeah. guarantee where I could get my CD replaced if the place was still in business. <laughs> Which it is. What a ripoff. Really? It's still in business? Yeah. I, no, I, I didn't think it was. <laughs> oh. I thought, I thought you kept, were... Yeah, it's no longer in business because they kept offering to replace people's CDs for free. <laughs> <laughs> well, I played the CD today and it still works. Also, um, just to throw back, my copy of the School of Fish debut album is a cassette that I still own. And it has um, the, the the kind of fold out cover where you can read all the lyrics and everything. Oh, so. nice! <laughs> so, as an REM fan, I don't know that I don't know the the, the pleasure in that. So, <laughs> <laughs> you only have to guess. <laughs> yeah, no, it has it has all the lyrics and stuff. Anyway, so miscellaneous tea. Um, has some some stuff, and it's it's hard for me to say what was and wasn't there uh, because I'm just you know have listened to all of my uh, 
uh, they might be giants forever, especially lately because I've been, you know, stuck at home and I'm like, I found out that my CD players in its room still works. So I've been listening to stuff, but, uh, yeah, it's got, a uh, mostly stuff that was, uh, originally appeared on other albums and, uh, they have like the, 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 like the, the world's address is the Joshua Fry remix. Um, which is, it's a fun listen. It's like, someone in the club tonight has stolen my ideas. <laughs> As opposed to my ID. Uh, ah. <laughs> mm. I, you know, I, I knew of the existence of this album, but I don't think I've actually ever listened to it. Oh my goodness. And track 13, so uh, one of the things, you know, back in the day was that they were advertising when they moved to uh, New York, and they were advertising in local papers, and people could call into uh, their uh, answering machine, or, or for you in England, an answerphone, and uh, hear a song and go and say something about it. So some, so track thirteen on this is somebody left a message where like she and her husband, or or somebody called in, listened, and then just talked about it. And it's like, isn't this weird? This is weird. This is like, they must be giants. Who are they must be giants? I don't know. <laughs> and it goes on for a bit, but they, they like have the whole clip on the, on the album. And it's really funny, just them trying to figure out, what is this? How did they make money off of this? I have no clue. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. So, Joe, you're up next. All right. For my second selection, I picked Queen, uh, Innuendo <sighs> by Queen. Their last album and the last album recorded by, well, their last album with Freddie Mercury, I should say. Yeah, you know it, they've done they've done some stuff with Adam Lambert, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's really kind of it's a it's a beautiful album in the sense that it there's a lot of sadness behind it when you know because at the time nobody really knew. I mean, you kind of knew something was up with Freddie Mercury because you know every time he, he every time he made a new public appearance when he did, he looked mm-hmm. like he was wasting away. Yeah. yeah. You know? Especially when um, when you, you saw the video for um, these other days of our lives, no, uh, or is it uh, going slightly I'm mad? Going, no, I'm going slightly mad. Yeah, 
you know, it's like, yeah, something, something's really wrong. Because at the time, he was still denying that he had AIDS. Well, yeah. look, he, he was, like, caked in makeup, too. It's, like, really, but he was, you know. But, but he was just, like, wicked thin. He's, yeah. He's very emaciated and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, it, and but then he realized that, you know, the the album was recorded between nineteen, you know, um, nineteen eighty nine and nineteen ninety, and his, you know, his health was declining. You could you tell he was getting sick, but he still puts on a performance in this. You know, he, there was no loss to his voice in this album. Hmm. And, and, yeah, um, you know, and, and it really, a lot of good sing, a couple of really good singles came out of this. I'm going slightly mad, headlong. Yep. Uh, yep. Headlong's good. Headlong's good. Uh, these are the days of our lives. It's like a, it's, it's a beautiful yep. song. Mm-hmm. And then you know, if if you need a, a a song to like really pump you up and get you going and just kind of just keep pushing through, I mean, the show must go on. Yeah. Oh. oh yes. It's kind of funny. You can like even just like listen at like the, the hints were there. Just from like the yeah. the title. Know, well, knowing what you know now, yeah, the, you know, especially um, these are the days of our lives, and the show must go on. And I'm really going slightly mad. Our, <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, yeah. they they Seriously. really have a lot of punch to them. Yeah, all yeah, yeah. Those 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 songs are those songs are all really strong and just really emotional, and anybody can connect to them. Yeah, it's it really is. It was crazy because I remember. I remember when Freddie announced that he had AIDS because he died the very next day. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was nine months after he re- the the album was released, and it it was one of their best albums. I mean, one of the yeah. best selling albums. I mean, it went yeah. number one in the UK. It was their best selling album in the US since um um uh what was the it was released in nineteen eighty four. What was the name of the album? Oh yeah, the one with Radio uh, the Gaga. Works. The works. The works. Yeah, it was the it's kind of funny. Album, and... You know, okay, it was the first Queen album to go gold since the works. So, and you also feel too like you know with Bohemian Rhapsody making a comeback and Wayne's World, it was almost like they were making this huge comeback in the nineties. Well, I, I remember, you know, this song, this album came out. Then you know, you know, when Freddie uh, passed away, uh, Greatest Hits two uh, came out. Yep, which had some of their best music from the '80s, and not too long after that, Live at Wembley 1986 came out. Yeah, so you yeah. know, to a certain ex- extent, yeah, they were capitalizing on like this event, but it was you know, it kind of some good stuff came out of it too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, a yeah. lot of songs you mentioned are really excellent songs. You don't have to be like it's they're not capitalizing. Those songs stand on their own. Right. Well, a lot of the, those so, those songs, when they were released as singles, did very well on their own. You know. Yes. Even before if, Freddie, even before Freddie admitted he had AIDS, I mean, they were, they were very. It was like this was like the, almost their like a comeback album for them. Yeah. yeah. In a in a sad kind of way, really. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You listen to any of those songs now, and they're still excellent. Yes. All right, great. So, uh, Todd, what do you got up next? I'm going to speak about uh, my good friend Tom Petty and his Heartbreakers uh, into the Great Wide Open from 1991, uh, which is uh, one of my favorite Tom Petty albums. It's his fourth collaboration with Jeff Lynne, if you want to count the Traveling Wilburys. Um, 
and it re- it was a move to uh, Warner Brothers, I believe, was the the new label that they had. Uh, sorry, MCA. They were on MCA anyway. Never mind. <laughs> They'd moved into a place they both could afford. He found a nightclub he could work at the door. She had a guitar and she taught him some chords. This guy was the living. Into the great wide open. Under them skies of blue. Out in the great wide open. A rebel without a clue. Uh, this album coming after full moon fever which tom petty was saying like hey i want to do a solo album but all the heartbreakers are going to play on it as well as all of his his other rock and roll royalty friends they came back with this two great singles on this album learning to fly and into the great wide open the title track king's highway great song go ahead oh i love i love the title track title track is amazing yeah and you know what it's really funny because I, I really enjoy Jeff Lynne as an artist, both in ELO, solo. I like him as a producer as well. I didn't love these songs until I heard them live. I saw Tom Petty twice before he passed away. And they also made a, a, a live anthology where they called together live performances over 30, 35 years. And they the songs from this album are these big, huge sing-alongs that crowd favorites and it's hearing them live and seeing people hold up their cell phones during learning to fly and just big sing-alongs it's amazing and and these songs really hold up uh which is which is pretty cool um but the title song you know the the music video for it with johnny depp and young matt leblanc and all that kind of stuff just kind of adds to the mystique of it yeah it's honestly i think i might like this album better than i like full moon fever there was, that's mean, that's I, a bold I, statement, Cotton. It is, yeah. it is. But I'm looking at the the track list now, and I mean, there's some there's some great un you know forgot. I mean, some, some forgotten stuff on here that's just fantastic. King's Highway, Two Gunslingers, yeah, Two, Two Gunslingers, gunslingers uh, Out in the Cold. Everyone forgets about that song, and that song actually was like a radio hit. Um. Yeah, I think where this where this suffers is that Full Moon Fever was so highly regarded, right, by critics, yeah. by fans, running down a dream, free falling, all that kind of stuff. You have Into the Great Wide Open, and then you have The Greatest Hits in 1993, and then Wildflowers, another solo album for Tom Petty. Yes. This is kind of sandwiched in the middle, and I think people forget about it, which is really too bad. Yeah, it's. I, I'm so happy you brought this album up, because I, I, I love this album. This was one of those BMG pickups for me. I had a, a friend who was signing up for BMG. He's like, hey, I'm getting like six albums for a penny. What do you want? I'm like, I want. <laughs> and I'm looking down the list of what's available. And I'm like, I'll get Tom Petty and I'll get uh, Pearl Jam's 10. And for some odd reason, 10 never showed up. But I did get oh. this and I, I really, really loved this album. 
I really do. And I, yeah, I got, envy you, Todd. He, I wish I could have seen Tom Petty live. Oh, man. Saw him twice. Once at Fenway Park, which was amazing. And then I saw his last tour, the 40th anniversary tour at uh, TD Garden. And he died like three months later. So oh. I, was, oh. I was lucky to have seen him twice. Great, great shows both times. The Fenway show yeah. was, was probably one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah, the Fenway shows are fun, even though the sound sucks because it goes straight up into the air. The it's Fenway gotten better, though. It really yeah. has gotten better. Yeah. Fenway. They've, they've made a lot of improvements to that sound system, to that PA, to, to make it... I've, I've probably been to 10 concerts at Fenway. They've all been great. I think I've been to three. And uh, they've been... The last time like Joe and I went to go see the Foo Fighters, that, 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 the sound of that show was phenomenal. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I saw the police there back in... Oh, oh, 05, seven, seven, right? 07, seven, yeah. Right? And it was just like, okay, where'd the sound go? I can't hear anything. But, you know, it was like, it was the boyhood dream of Jim and I to go see the, the police live together. And we did. So. That's amazing. Awesome. I'm very jealous yeah. of that. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, I hope it, they, 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 they come around one more time before Andy Summers dies. Because he's like almost 80. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. Mike, you're up. All right, uh, next album I'm going to talk about is uh, Russia's Roll of Bones. If they don't take that game, and sometimes a winner takes nothing, we draw our own designs, fortune has to make that brain. Which was also mentioned uh, early uh, on side one. Yeah, Roll the Bones is a great album. It was. I think it was probably like Rush's like kind of last decent album in a sense. Because after that, you know, I think I can't remember what was the album after that. I just I wasn't really a fan of it. But you know, like yeah. Dreamline is probably my favorite song off that album. That was like the the uh, you know the first song right in the album. It just had that great yeah. little riff. Um, and of course, Roll the Bones, the actual song, you know, song, the title is not a good song. And uh, that's pretty much it. Like I said, this was like an album that I remember just like, ooh, Rush came out with a new album. I have to go buy it. You know, and it was yeah. just one of those things where I bought it and I just kind of wore out the first couple songs. Well, you know what? Dude, it, Roll the Bones is, is it's actually a pretty good follow up to Presto, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you, I think this was the album. Did you guys watch the documentary Beyond the Lighted Stage? No. The Rush documentary, excellent, excellent documentary. I I want to say that it was Roll the Bones where they kind of looked at everything that they had done, and like we got to go back to what worked before we started, ed- you know, adding the synthesizers and all that stuff in there. And Neil Peart actually went, 
he actually started taking drum lessons again. He's like, I kind of feel like I forgot how to play drums. I was doing the rush way of playing drums, and I wanted to go back and actually learn to keep rhythm again and do the things that made me made me great to begin with. I want I want to relearn those fundamentals. I reinvented himself. This album, he did. He did. He reinvented himself, and that's what made Neil Peart so great, because the man never like stopped evolving. Up until no, he, he, was, he, was, he wasn't. Af- he wasn't afraid to learn. He's like no, you know. It, he 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 he's the he's probably the one person who didn't listen to all the he's you know all the praise that he'd get. He just like no, I get I gotta get better. I gotta get better. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yes, um, fantastic. It's a fantastic album. Like good choice. It really is good choice. No, it was an excellent yeah. album. I loved it. All right. Anybody else have anything to say about Roll the Bones before we fi- we finish up this list? I'll take that as a no. Um, <laughs> all right. Why does it happen? <laughs> so I'm going to bring up the big one. The one that changed it all. Never mind by Nirvana. That is the big one. I Uh was, all right, so, you know, as I've gone through, as we've done nine years of these, of these retro, um, reviews of year end music, I've always been like the guy with the alternative mindset in terms of how music was. And like Dave said, yeah, I DJed college radio, the midnight shift, playing all my crazy stuff, playing the Pixies. And all that. And I remember distinctly sitting, I was at, I was, I was, I was in college, but I spent the weekend at my friend Deacon's uh, house and we're watching MTV and Smells Like Teen Spirit comes on and I'm like, I think something's going to change now because (laughs) when I got back to campus, everybody, it was blasting from every radio station and people had already picked up the, the CD or the tape. And it was just like, holy shit, this is this is happening. I'm not the weird one anymore. Um, <laughs> I find this album so appealing. It's so... Ex- I, I hate to say for alternative, it's accessible alternative. But you just listen to the opening four bars. It smells like Teen Spirit. Oh, you know, and you're and, automatically sucked in. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, then, and, and the thing is, anybody who had a guitar, it was like obligatory. You had to learn yep. those, those, that opening riff. One of the fir- Actually, Joe, one of the first songs I learned how to play on bass when I got my bass over Christmas mm-hmm. was uh, the bass riff for Come As You Are. Which, honestly, I think is a better song than Smells Like Teen Spirit. I agree. Oh, yeah. I was about to mm-hmm. say the same thing. I love that 
that beginning bass riff is awesome. Yeah, it is, no, it it's is. just and it just it's continuous. Christ, Chris Allen the Selleck doesn't get enough credit for being a good bass player. No, I mean mm-hmm. Kurt Cobain was a tortured genius, and Dave Grohl went on to form the Foo Fighters. But damn, Chris Novoselic was such a good bass player, and it, it shows throughout the entire. This entire album is such a good cohesive unit of the three guys working together before, like the fame and everything, kind of took over. Right. It, this does not sound like In Utero, which would come two years later. This you know, this is its own thing, and every everything is just fun about this album. And yeah. You know what? You know what, Andy? This this album came out at the perfect time because I mean, I, I I hate to kind of sound cliche, but the world was I think thirsting and ready for something different. Dude, yeah, you know Cherry there was. Pie. Cherry Pie killed the, the hair metal genre, and, right, and Smells Like Teen Spirit brought in something new. Right. I, you, know, you know, Catherine said earlier that 91, early 1991 was essentially the 1980s just trying to hang on for dear life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think this, never mind, just basically put the foot on like like Santa on Ralphie and just shove the eighties down <laughs> down the slot. <laughs> uh, never never mind not uh, Michael Jackson's dangerous off the charts. Yeah. It was it was the, the, the first album they had uh, Dave Grohl doing uh, he does most of the, the drums on this album. Yeah. They had they had a, it was their second album and he was the band's fifth drummer. And uh, but they had you know, the, the the previous drummer had has some stuff on this album, but mostly it's Dave Grohl. Yeah. And I think all just, the previous drummers uh, spontaneously combusted, no? Or, oh, sorry, wrong band. No, 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 no sorry. When did we no, choke no, on vomit? You're, you're Not his own that, vomit, uh, mind you. Uh, 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 spinal tap. <laughs> yeah, this this album, again, I'm a little bit younger than than everyone here, but... This album was was huge for me as a as a you know a, a child even because my brothers yeah. listen to it all the time and when I go back and I listen to it now we talked about this on the on the uh, the video uh, review that we you know we were talking about the first side especially of this album feels like a greatest hits album because all of the song all six songs on the first side are instantly recognizable it feels like rumors in that way or we were talking about all things must pass. It feels like that where it's, you know, all of these songs are great and how they all ended up on one side of one album is miraculous. Yeah. And yeah. a real testament to their, to their songwriting as, as extremely young artists at this time. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It also, what, what kills me too, this album is almost an hour long and it doesn't feel like an hour long. No. I think that's what it is because the songs are so, uh, as Todd just said, they're so all well done. That yeah. you, it's one of the things when they're so well done, you don't feel like you're sitting there. It's like, oh, it's over already. Um, <laughs> yeah, it does not feel like there's a, a clunker on this album. Right. You know, there's some things right. that don't sit as well as other things, but it's oh man, it's just it's got a little bit of everything. Yeah, there's not <laughs> there's not there's not filler in this album. Right. And, you know, it's funny, the album, like, you know, with with all the pop stuff we talked about, the album kind of comes in and punches you in the face. You know, it yeah. really yeah. It does. And it was, again, like I said, it's just like, we're planting the seeds. 
give us a couple years, you're going to see this all over the place. And I'll tell you, it, it came through. I mean, between them and Pearl Jam, that was like the foundation right there. And yep. everything just kind of came from that. Well, well, it was, let's it was not spoil fast. that yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, grunge was There's... grunge. Grunge uh, shone brightly, but it did not last very long. Mm-hmm. No. Speak for yeah. yourself. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know what the thing is? It begets so much other stuff afterwards, which was like the next logical progressions. You know, we did have that, you know, that little side stop in a new metal, but, you know, shit happens, right? When you, when you say yeah. new metal, you're spinning NU metal? NU umblot metal, yes. Okay. Just okay. <laughs> making uh, sure. So. All right, well, let's, uh, let, Mike. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Oh, what, 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 what? One more thing. Uh, yeah. Just, just to talk about uh, 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 when Weird Al approached Nirvana and said, I want to do a, uh, a parody of Teen Spirit, Smells Like Teen Spirit, they were like, oh, we've made it. Weird Al wants to do a song about us. They were like, like, most bands were like, yeah, sure, whatever, okay, who are you? And and Nirvana was just like, we're that big. We've made it. Yeah. Yeah. We're one of us. This is awesome. And then later down the road, Coolio wanted to kill Weird Al later down the road for doing Gangsta's Paradise. Yeah. He he agreed to it. He he did agree to it, and then he had to like oppose to it, and, and Weird Al was like, yeah, I understand. He has to do the thing, but he did yeah. say yes. Yeah. Still. <laughs> All right, Mike. Yeah. Finish it up. What's your What's your last album that you're going to be talking about? Yeah, sorry, I, I'm just not a big Nirvana fan. So that's that's fine. That's fine. Um, that's the beauty of this year, Mike, is that it's like it's a very diverse year for so many different types of music. Yeah. And I'm gonna go with uh, the debut album of one of my all time favorite country bands, uh, Diamond Rio. Ah. It's a self-titled band, a uh, self-titled album. It was 700 fence posts from your place to house. Neither one of us was old enough to drive a car. Sometimes it was raining, sometimes it would shine. We wore out that gravel road between your house and You start walking mine We meet in the middle Meet that old Georgia pine We gain a lot of ground Cause we both give a little I mean, if if you're a fan of Diamond Rio, then pretty much every single, almost every single song on this album is one of their hits. I mean, their their very first song, "Meet in the Middle," is just a fantastic song. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they don't like hearts like they used to. Mirror, mirror, uh, nowhere bound. Norma Jean Riley, Mama, don't forget to pray for me. And it's just so many songs on this album are just like some other are on their hits album and. It just you know when you when you're a country band you know they're pretty much a dime a dozen but when you come out with a an album this strong then you're just uh, then you're really kind of saying yeah we're here and they've stuck around for quite a while actually and I've I've got most of their albums and they're all really really good so big fan of them of course um 
just uh, just don't look at the uh, the the front cover of their album though because of, of this album because pretty much all of the, all of them but the I think the drummer have big old mullets. I'm talking <laughs> big, wow, big ass mullets. Wait, a, an early '90s country band with mullets? <laughs> oh, there, there are there are. You must be members, mistaken, sir. There are six members of the band, and all but one have a big ass mullet on them. Wow, you take wow. that back, sir. <laughs> Did any I'm, of them have that little shitty mustache to go along with it? Uh, uh, let me see. Two of them have little little mustaches. One oh, has a yeah, big yeah. mustache. And one has a full beard. Ah. Full beard and mustache. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. You know, talking about, like, bands that, like, have both, like, you know, the same self-titled album and everything, you know, uh, I don't know why more bands don't do what Talk Talk did and go, you know, Talk Talk with their album Talk Talk with their hit song Talk Talk. (laughs) (laughs) I think we need more. I think we need more of that. (laughs) Song, title, and album. Yeah, I do. You know, the funny thing is, though, Mike, I do remember like a lot of my, um, you know, again, Southern school for college. uh, A lot of my friends had at least one Diamond Rio album in their in their collection. I think my favorite of their albums is their fourth one, uh, you know, cleverly titled Four in Roman numerals. Um, So they, they went the Chicago route with that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, actually, uh, <laughs> kind of skipping ahead a few years, but the, the music video for one of their songs in there starred um, Martin Sheen in a big old role. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. That's really funny. <laughs> All right. Catherine, you ready to uh, finish up your list? I am going to finish up my list, and I'm going to talk about something that I was holding on to hoping Jimmy Theo would show up because he is our biggest Pearl Jam fan. I'm going to talk about 10. What an album. Yeah, Nevermind broke grunge onto the mainstream scene, and 10 was what made it stick. <laughs> it's, it is a, now, now Jim actually gave me his, his, his first copy of 10, because his um, girlfriend at the time gave him like a deluxe version of it, I think. And he nice. just like, he dropped off this 
oh god i listened to it i put it on the turntable and it's just like it brought me back there's so so much good in that album um you know just just kicking off with once uh Mm -hmm. the hits like alive and even floor fantastic songs jeremy and black are just like Oh man, what 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 just a kick in the gut those songs are. Jeremy's a kick in the gut, but that's one that also has been overplayed to the point where I'm like, oh really, Jeremy again? Yeah. <laughs> well, it definitely is the most. It, it, it definitely it the was, most Eddie Vedder of Eddie Vedder <laughs> songs. It was a kick in the guts like the first forty times I heard it, and now I'm over it. Yeah. And and it's still played on the radio, and I'm like, really, you can't give me a break so that I can actually recover and <laughs> want to hear this song again? But yeah, I I mean, I loved Jeremy at the time, and I loved it for a long time after I heard it. I'm kind of done now, but I'm old. But yeah, no, <laughs> this this album is so excellent and so solid. Yeah, um, uh, Jeremy's like it's, it's one of the songs. Where it's a good song, but uh, you've had your fill. Yeah. Yeah. And and if you've seen the video, you're like, okay, I, I only need to see that the the, the, the ten times, and I'm done. <laughs> no, you go on and go, oh shit, the kid's still running. Not <laughs> <laughs> the kid shooting himself in the head in front of everybody again. Yes, it's artistic. Yeah. It's interesting. That's not actually, yeah. Anyway, so yes, but all the other all songs on this album are so excellent and so solid, and and, and that one is too, but. This this album is is rock solid soup to nuts. Yeah, so, so, I I yeah another hour long another hour long album, you know. Yeah, it doesn't feel like an hour long. It's just so rare. Thirteen mm-hmm. times platinum. It, it's unbelievable that how how much of a hold this album had on everybody, not just grunge fans or alt rock fans or hard rock fans. It was truly universal. Um, not entirely. Well. <laughs> You know, they're no Diamond Rio, Mike, so... No, no, they are not. They are absolutely not, my friend. Everyone who counts counts loves Ned Flanders. (laughs) They could have a a, a hair contest, I'm sure, and uh, that would be interesting. So so that begs the question, which do you choose, Nevermind or Ten? Uh, Actually, you know what? And it's 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 funny tough. you should mention that. It's funny you should mention that though, because there is definitely going to be on our YouTube channel a discussion about that <laughs> coming soon. It's already happened by the time you're hearing this. By the time you're hearing this, it absolutely happened. So check out our YouTube channel, and you can find out which we think is the best it, it is better. And by the way, the real spoiler answer here is they're both really great albums. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those guys over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that album. And I, you know what? Tomorrow morning at work, I'm going to listen to it. <laughs> and by work, you mean home. Yeah, well, I work at home, so. <laughs> That's what I meant. Yeah. So. All right. So, anyone else have anything to say about that before we move on to the next one? If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Yeah. There you go. Cool. Cool. 
So, all right. Uh, that brings us to Joe. All right. And my last pick, um, and this is really kind of the last hurrah for adult rock in 19, the 19, the 80s, 90s, early 90s adult rock. And that's Waking Up the Neighbors by Brian Adams. <laughs> this is i mean and i know I, you know what i like there's there, i like some brian Adams songs i think he's a very good write, ballad writer he gets a lot of stick that i think is unfair and i mean he, he must have done something right because this was his best-selling album it was produced yep. by robert mont lang Yo, it was it was quality. It had quality song, and if if it wasn't for everything I do, I do it for you. I don't think I don't think this I, this wouldn't be you know get it get the uh, get the um, the shit piled onto it that it does. Right. You know, I mean, you know, can't stop this thing we started is a is a good song. I enjoy it. You know, uh, thought I died and gone to heaven again. Very good song. Um, but it is really is the last hurrah for adult rock at, at the time, you know. Yeah. You know you you know this came out when you, you when you think about it this came out around the same time as Nevermind did, and ten, yeah. and it dominated the charts for the last for, you know for the first few weeks of the fall you know of uh, of fall of nineteen ninety one. And then everybody, you know, then everybody caught on to Nevermind and and Ten and everything else, and then it's just like, okay, we don't need to listen to this old stuff anymore. Let's go, let's go listen to the new, the, the, what the kids are listening to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I think I've t- I said this story before that I saw Brian Adams live on this tour because my friend Dan bought two tickets solely so I could go buy him beer. That was of age as he wasn't. Oh dear! It wasn't a bad show, and you know he played stuff from Reckless, so it's happy about that. Of course, Andy, here's one off our new album, which means it's time to go to the bathroom. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! They play a medley. (laughs) Oh God, I hate medleys. Jesus Christ. Next thing you know, you're going to give me a drum solo, right? <laughs> Fifteen minutes of pee, of pee time, all for me. Oh, boy. All right. Todd, what's your last one? 
I'm going to talk about my favorite album of 1991 because I'm an unabashed U2 fanatic. Um, and you can actually thank Adam Scott and Scott Ackerman for that because of their <laughs> podcast, You Talking U2 to Me. Uh, so we're going to talk about 1991's Achtung Baby. is just uh i don't i don't even know how to describe this album it is ins- absolutely insane so you two started this cycle of trying something new which is very commendable then trying to perfect it on a subsequent album which is also commendable and then on that third album of that cycle going way too far with it so when you think about things like the unforgettable fire and uh joshua tree you know, they tried something new from their early sound. Joshua Tree perfected it, and it is a brilliant album. Then they went to Rattle and Hum, where they tried too hard to be part of the American consciousness and Americana. Edge play the blues. Um, you know, uh, just just doing ridiculous, ridiculous things. Bullet the Blue Sky, the live version of that, just goes too far. So they decided to go home and dream it all up again, and they came back with Octoon Baby, which is unlike anything they had done before, and I don't think it sounds like anything else that came out in 1991, which is why I like it so much. It's a really um, stark contrast from what they had done before. You know, they came out with The Fly as the first single, which is just not anything close to what people had heard before. One is a great, amazing song, but... The industrial nature of the songs and the different instrumentation that they did. They went to, you know, Berlin, which was just in shambles at that time to, to record. They just they just reinvented themselves, and it's really uh, it's stunning to behold. Um, whether you like U2 or not, it's just you know, for a band that big to go and reinvent themselves is really um, you know a testament to to who they are as artists. So yeah, I enjoy this album a whole lot. Clearly. And I'm holding the vinyl in my hand right now. <laughs> You're just going to stack there just to hold. No one can see it, but you I can do. hold it anyway. I do. It's just for me. I, it's always this, just for me. In my own opinion, this is their best <clears throat> album. This is better than Joshua Tree, in my opinion, because it's so adventurous and so just lush with sound. Yeah, it's it's layered and, you know, it. The drums are just so deep, and the bass is funky, mysterious ways. Like, just look at that song. It's a dance rock song that came out in 1991 that would fit in with many of the the songs we talked about in the last episode. Yeah. 
but it doesn't necessarily sound like them. But they would yeah. fit in into that, e, you know, EMF and um, Charlatans and, and that Manchester kind of sound. But they they took it to new heights. Yeah, this is one I got to pick up. Yo, oh, for sure, for yeah, sure, absolutely, absolutely. Anyone else have any thoughts on Achtung Baby before we, we Mike takes us home? I always thought uh, it was a, until the end of the world and Ultraviolet was probably two of my favorite songs off that album. Oh, I, mm. that, really until great. the end of the world is one of my favorite U two songs yeah. ever. Absolutely, Ultraviolet's another good one. It's very underrated yeah, yeah. song in that album. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I love cool. Ultraviolet. Like, so the last time I saw you two, they had never played Ultraviolet before, and they played it on the last tour when I saw them at the Garden. Nice. And people went absolutely insane. So nice. I really hope that they're able to do some sort of 30th, 30th anniversary tour like they did with Joshua Tree, because yeah. it would be a, an amazing show. I think I talked uh, about Until the End of the World when, I, when we did the Until the End of the World soundtrack talk. Yes, yes. And that is that is just it's a it's an amazing song and it's funny too because this is the type of album where the hits are good but the stuff that didn't like get that that constant radio play is even better. Yeah. You know, like I love the Fly, but I love Ultraviolet more. Mm-hmm. You know, one is an okay song, but I like Until the End of the World better. Yeah. You close an album with Love is Blindness, that's ballsy. Yeah, yeah. Like, here's here's what we've done, and we're going to leave you on the, the saddest note of all time. Right. And even that, so Love is Blindness just sounds like classic U2, though, mm-hmm. compared to everything else on that album. So that is that is a really, yeah, you're right, it's ballsy. That's a great uh, term to use for that. It did give us Bono the the fly look with those big glasses. Yes. So I don't know how people <laughs> feel about that, but yeah, one of his yeah, less yeah. annoying alter egos from that era. Right. It was funny too because like because we've gotten so much snow in the last few days. Um, I don't like wearing my glasses when I when I use the snowblower. So yeah. I put goggles. I actually have goggles just to keep the snow from flying into my eyes, and they're tinted. They get like that yellow tint on them. <laughs> and I came in, and I'm like, I still get, like, my, my snow armor on, and I got the goggles on. Autumn looks at me and goes, you look just like Bono. Take those things off. <laughs> <laughs> Did you tell her to play the blues? Did you call her Edge? <laughs> Number two. Number yeah, two. Well, you, you should have said <laughs> it was the big goggles. They do nothing. <laughs> Andy? Yeah. Do you want the biddy? <laughs> biddy. The biddy. <laughs> Papa. Oh dear! All right, so Mike, take us home. All right, the blues. All right. <laughs> um, well, I wanted to get home with kind of a rock album, you know, because it was like kind of Joe talking about earlier. How, like you know, the rock sound was kind of still kind of holding on a little bit. So I went with Van Halen's for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. Um, I thought that was a great album because. Like, OU812 was a good album, but it was very synthy at the time, so I thought this kind of brought back that more um, rock, like, guitar sound, and they had some great songs. That Pound Cake was a great song to kick off that album.
Um, and of course, you know, Right Now was huge on that album. <laughs> and Top of the World was another big one, too. And of course, now, are you laughing? Because I, I think I know where you're going with that laugh. I just, I, you know, God help me. But every time I, I, anyone brings up right now, I can only think of the That's SNL gag. Crystal gravy. Crystal gravy. I yes. Was, <laughs> I, I, again, I was hoping that, yeah, I was going to exactly, yeah. Crystal God gravy. help me. All I can see is Kevin Nealon putting it on his face. That's the, <laughs> it's, just dipping it in the, 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 the goo. But, uh, but no, it's like, you know, but that song was big. It was like, right now, this is happening. And right now, this yeah. is happening. But uh, I was like, like I said, Pound Cake, the song that kind of kicks that album off, is just great. It just just kicks you right, just gets you right off the bat. Just yeah. a nice, rock, hard rock sound. Um, you have 316, where you got a little Eddie doing his thing. And, cause, you know, every album was required to have Eddie do something. Yeah. Um, but. No, I think it just really brought back kind of that rock sound. Even with Hagar, I mean, I mean, and Hagar still sounded great at the times, you know. And even like now, I think vocally he's better now than David Lee Roth is. Like not back in the day. I'm talking about like currently. Yeah. Like he kept his voice up. David Lee Roth sounds like just garbage now, <laughs> which is sad. But yeah, hey. But no, but I just thought it was a great album, and it's still kind of Van Halen was still holding on. Because they even had the other album that came out after a couple years later. Van Halen um, 3? No, no, no. This is prior to that. It was another album. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, I, I, got a, I got the entire discography up on Spotify right now. Yeah, it was so, after this. All I remember so was the I, album had like looked like two kids that they were Siamese twins or something. Okay. Um, oh, Balance. That's it. Yep. So, I mean, they were still holding on. I mean, that was kind of like their last two albums to really go, because then after that, Hagar left, and then they brought in Gary Sharon. And, Gary well, Sharon. <laughs> our second extreme, uh, yeah, our second extreme uh, reference of the session. Yep. But no, I think it's just like I said, they brought back that great rock sound, and I just thought it was, it was nice. It was a good album after OU812. Yeah. Yeah, I just you know, I, I, a lot of it just for for me personally, it's just I'm I'll always be on the David Lee Roth side of the Van Halen spectrum, but I won't you know I won't shortchange anybody who likes the uh, the Sammy Sammy era. No, because I mean, I mean, like I said, it it was two very different eras, right? right. Both. But they but they both brought something. Unique to the table. I mean, obviously, no. I mean, I like the David stuff better myself, but yeah. again, I'm not going to shun the the Sammy days either. Right. And that's how I look at it. You prefer one, but you, you like both. Yeah. Yeah, I like them both. Yeah. Yeah, I remember we had the, we had this conversation once, Mike, on... Uh, yeah. On that, it's it, it, it is it's it is interesting though that they they managed to create two different types of sounds within two different types of decades. Yeah, you know, and, and I, I'm rolling the stuff from the '70s into the '80s because who doesn't? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, anybody have any other thoughts on um, on the fuck album? I'm sorry for unlawful carnal knowledge. <laughs> Sadly, no. Joe, Todd, nope. Mike, nothing. nothing, nothing. I'm a David Lee Roth guy. Okay, 
Awesome. Well, guys, that was that was a fun conversation. I really I love talking music with everybody. Uh, we and again, we have a really good diverse mix here. Yeah. Lots yeah. of alternative, lots lots of of hard rock, lots of fun rock, uh, lots of country in there. We get we get a good mix here. Ninety one for for the shit show that was the the pop charts. There was a lot of great releases, and I am so looking forward to ninety two. When you dig below the surface, you yes. find there, there's it's one of those things where you know you hear a lot of stuff on the surface. When you dig below it, there's actually some decent. There's really a lot of decent stuff out there. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it was it was a transition year, but like you like you said, Mike, if you yeah. if you dig, you know, and you focus on the stuff you liked, there was some good stuff. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, you didn't have to dig that hard. Yeah, no, we didn't have to dig that hard. It and wasn't even say, hard for us to find albums so to, to, to discuss. I would even say, like, some stuff is, like, guilty pleasure stuff, even in the pop genre. Because uh, I'll tell you right now, you, you listen to Chris Isaac's Wicked Game. Mm. You know, if, you, if you're not getting wet after that song, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know, I, think, I think that is where we leave the podcast, Mike. Thank you for closing us out there. Well, uh, again, Mike, that was the thank you. Sexiest video st- back in the day. <laughs> it was the sexiest video. Well, Mike, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, hope we'll have you back soon. Thank you so much. Um, and yes, everybody, thank you so much for all of your input to discuss the music of '91. Uh, it's been a great two-part episode. I love doing these. I can't wait for '92 because '92's got two of my Desert Island uh, d- discs on there. <laughs> so looking forward to that. So yes, yeah. So anyway, our next episode, we are going to be taking a bit of a break from these supersized episodes, and um, based on a suggestion that Mike, at Mike, do you want to tell me, uh, tell us what uh, next episode is going to be about? Yeah, it's uh, just going to be a little bit of a potpourri episode, where uh, basically we just take uh, topics that you know we can't fit into a full episode you know just maybe a, like a small thing like maybe a, an episode of a tv show that we like or a song or whatever and we just do a, just a little bit uh, based on that mm-hmm. yeah did we have a lot of like did we call it like seasonings or something like that didn't we have like a, like a name we called it years ago yeah i think so we did yeah. um but yeah i've gone down a couple of rabbit holes recently so yeah it i've got plenty of things that I can I can pick from. So right. hopefully I, I, I can't wait to hear what everybody else has to say. So anyway, um, if you enjoy what you're hearing, consider subscribing to Geek Salad on your podcast app so you can continue listening to us. You can also follow us on the social medias at Geek Salad Radio on Twitter, on Facebook at Geek Salad Podcast. And also follow us on YouTube at Geek Salad Podcast for exclusive retro movie reviews and record reviews. Uh, the movie reviews are hosted by me and Mike, and our record reviews are hosted by myself, Joe, Todd, and uh, occasionally Jim, who joins us on those. So you get those every week. Also, if you want to uh, contribute to the store and get yourself a nice T-shirt at the same time, go to Tee Public and check out our wares using the keyword Geek Salad Podcast. And definitely check that out and be a topic of conversation for everybody. Um, so thank you everybody for doing this. It's getting late and I'm, we're going to wrap this up now. So until next time, I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Joe. I'm Catherine. I'm Todd. 
And I'm Mike Coca-Cola Classic. <laughs> <laughs> Go forth and be nerdful. We'll talk to you later. Welcome, Polly, to Geek Salad. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. All right. Take two. I haven't even had a sip of my drink yet. Uh, we should totally leave this in. That was good. That was perfect. That should be the bumper at the end.